Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Tuesday, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football with Dan Weber, beat writer and columnist for us here at uscfootball.com. We want to talk about the Coliseum groundbreaking ceremony. It's now the United Airlines Memorial Coliseum. So we'll talk to Dan all about that. He was out there along with my wife, Jana, taking photos. Uh, Dan wrote a really interesting column, and we're going to talk about that. We have a bunch of questions a lot of talk about usc coaches usc still does not have a running backs coach of course signing day is just eight days away so it's kind of a crunch time uh in in the football the college football world finding out who the future of this program will be so we got a lot of stuff to get to if you have any questions or comments you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you give us a call or a text at 424-254- 9141. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, all the different ways you can get a hold of us. If you want to leave uh, positive feedback, uh, five-star rating, we appreciate all of that. That helps propagate the show to more USC Trojan fans. And it's been a great year over the last year uh, growing the show. So we do appreciate everyone that's kind of told your friends and listened to the show and been a loyal listener, wrote in and all that kind of stuff. So without you, we don't have a show. So we do appreciate that. And let's bring in uh, Dan Weber. What is up, Dan? How you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. Glad to be back. And uh, had a good day at uh, at the Coliseum yesterday. You know, kind of, you know, from a couple, couple of different angles. But, uh, you know, there is a lot of positive about it. I know people can say, hey, you know, now you're changing your tune. But there always was a lot of positive. It's just maybe they're... You know they've gone uh, in in some of the wrong directions, and maybe some of that can be uh, can be brought back, uh, you know, and, and and headed in the right direction. But you know, getting a two hundred and seventy million dollar, even if that you know people think, well, that's not quite enough uh, renovation, and then another sixty nine million dollars on top of that for the naming rights. You've got some things going now. You just gotta get them, you know focused and get them right and and make it make it make it go in the right direction so uh so we'll see uh it's not over yet all right well, yeah, we want to ask you a lot about that and we're going to get to all the questions too before we do wanted to thank our sponsor trader joe's uh they've been with us uh since back in uh i guess august or so and uh, it's been great great partnership i had my trader joe's uh yogurt this morning <laughs> for breakfast we're always it seems like every meal we have a little something my wife and I, uh, something from Trader Joe's. We got a new spot uh, right near our house in Hermosa Beach, and we love it. And of course, we talked many times about the uh, brand new one on uh, just off the USC campus at the University Village, the USC Village. Awesome location. Uh, a lot of people go in there for for pregame, you know, tailgating stuff. Uh, I don't know, Dan. Maybe the new Coliseum can have a Trader Joe's in there too. That, maybe it's too close to the other one, but that that might be a nice uh, play for Trader Joe's. We'll have to talk to them about that. Yeah, uh, to be honest, uh, Trader Joe's Memorial Coliseum wouldn't have uh, been all that. <laughs> Sixty-nine million bucks, though. That's a lot. I don't know if they're, you know, if that's in their marketing budget. They're, they're sponsored. They're on our podcast, so I don't think they have six. You know, I'm, I'm not going to speak for them. But if they're sponsored, okay. 
<laughs> well, uh, I, I would imagine, uh, uh, I, I do think that is, you know, the sign of the future. I know Lynn, Lynn Swan was talking about, uh, you know, this isn't a land-grant college institution. USC does have to make sure, you know, it gets, the, you know, it does things like the, uh, you know, the United Airlines partnership and all, all of that. And so, uh, so we can understand that. They ought to do it smartly and, uh, and, and carefully and, uh, and all of that. But, yeah, we would like to get Trader Joe's as involved as, as, as possible, uh, you know, with USC. And obviously, you know, being next door or being really right part of the University Village uh, is about as good as you can get. But, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are, you know, some ventures like that once they get the Coliseum really squared away you'd really love to see uh a souvenir you know kind of a, a place where on camp on on site where they could you know people could come for tours and um, and have a real uh, uh place where you could buy a lot of usc uh you know gear and memorabilia all that kind of stuff so uh so i'm thinking uh if i were usc i might uh give john basilon of trader joe's a call uh, he's a market, you know, these guys, Trader Joe's, they're marketing geniuses, really, yeah. when you think about what they've done and, uh, and really care about USC. I would think, uh, it wouldn't be the worst idea to involve, uh, uh, people like, uh, uh, John Bass alone, uh, in, in your marketing outreach efforts and say, what, what could we do here? Yeah, that would be a great idea. How do we, um, how do we move this down the road? Yeah. Um, well, I want, we've got to talk about the Coliseum and, uh, no, there's no plans for Trader Joe's going in there or like a target or anything that we know of, but there's a big corporate sponsorship now, 16 year deal, $69 million. And instead of the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, it's now going to be the United Airlines Coliseum. Now, Reaction on Twitter, Dan, as you and I think on the message boards, not very positive as far as I'm never calling it that, which I don't think most people do unless it's that's the if you call it the Pepsi Center, like that's all the choice you have. Mm-hmm. People are still going to call it like the Coliseum, you know, but um, a lot of it was negative. But I don't know, 69 million bucks like that's seems like a pretty good deal. And they don't have to do very much. Right. You put up some signage and stuff and uh, broadcasters will call it that. But I don't think any of the USC fans probably will. No, I, I do miss. And, and I'm, you know, like up in Kentucky, for goodness sakes, I'll miss the Los Angeles part of it. I thought the Los Angeles, uh, asked Max and, and, and Lynn both about that. And I know there was talk, you know, how do you, how do you come up with a name and what do you keep and what, what don't you keep? And I think losing the Los Angeles, because when you hear everybody uh, who made a uh, you know, series of, of speeches and references and all that yesterday, I can't get away from the Coliseum has been such an integral part of USC history. I mean, of USC, of, LA, of Los Angeles history. And, and Los Angeles is an integral part of the Coliseum. I thought Max had an interesting point. He mentioned that two decades uh, before they built the Coliseum, there were less than 100,000 people in Los Angeles. Not enough people even to fill the Coliseum. And uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, in that time period, uh, uh, movies uh, developed sound, and everything changed. Uh, and Hollywood became the center of the movie industry. And in so many ways, everybody saw Hollywood in Los Angeles. And that was when, you know, 
Los Angeles opened up to be a world-class city. Uh, and, uh, and they said, we want to have something that represents a world-class city. And the thing they chose to do was a, uh, was the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. And, um, so I think it really matters for Los Angeles. It's not the thing that they decided at the time in the mid 1920s, Los Angeles had just a little over five, Southern California actually had a little over 500,000 people. They decided to build a stadium that would eventually, uh, you know, hold a hundred thousand. And that was a statement that we want this to be a place for everybody. And I think of all the issues going forward, it's the sense of how do you make the uh, the United Airlines uh, Memorial Coliseum a place for everybody. I know Max said he didn't want to drop the word memorial because it it, it was uh, built in honor of the World War One uh, you know veterans, and uh, you know obviously they're not going to drop the word Coliseum, and you get any more words than say four, and it's really a tough uh, a tough way to you know, to come up with a name, but, uh, but, uh, I think they've got to figure out a way and dropping, dropping seats and dropping capacity and way enlarging the, uh, you know, the private structure part of it creates a situation where to the maybe average fan, is this a place for the elites and not so much a place for us? And when you take away the 7,500 seats on the sidelines from the basically the best seats in the house from the most loyal um, uh, ticket holders over 40 and 50 years, and you don't replace them, that's a problem. Okay. So USC, I think, has to address those going forward. They've got to do something that says, no, this wasn't just for the you know, fundraising aspects. This wasn't just for the elites. Uh, this is a place for everybody. And there are some things I think they can do to address that, but I think they need to do that. And I think they need to really seriously think about sending the message that this is not just for the people who can give us the, you know, $10 million for a founder's suite. As important as that is, and as unbelievably uh, uh, responsive as the USC family, the Trojan family has been to have uh, – is uh, uh, founders, people step up with that kind of money. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, I know Texas A&M, they modeled A&M, and Texas A&M basically had like 12, I think, founders step up. So for USC to get that kind of response, uh, for the Coliseum to get that kind of response is, is terrific. But now I think they've got to finish it up in the right way. And, uh, and, and Lynn did say yesterday, they're not finished. This isn't the end of it. Uh, so I think we need to hold them, hold them to that and, and figure out what's the best way. If you didn't get off to the best start in terms of do now to, uh, to make this work for Los Angeles, for, the, for Southern California, for USC, and for the nation. Obviously, it, 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 I think, listening to, yes, to everybody yesterday, I think the big play that United Airlines is making is for the 2028 Olympics. I mean, they're a worldwide company. They bring people here from everywhere. They bring you, they take U.S. Uh, athletes to Olympics everywhere. And I think the thing they really have in mind is being the host stadium. First, first three-time Summer Olympics host stadium, the Coliseum will be. And to have their name on 
the building, that building for the uh, for the uh, Olympic, uh, which is why I think the contract uh, is the length that it is uh, in order to make sure that you know they're here for the the, the 28 Olympics. All right, so good stuff on the Coliseum. Make sure you check out Dan's column uh, up on the website on uscfootball.com. And, uh, you know, really good, interesting insights there, a bunch of photos and stuff. We had a good photo of you, Dan. My wife took one of you, like, pointing out something on the uh, on the plans there. So I tweeted that one out so people could see. Because Max Nikias even called you out. Like, I guess from the microphone he called you out, which is crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I, I got up in the front photographers. And here I've got my little, you know, camera. I'm, you know, but you got all these videographers and uh, TV guys and 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 ton of photographers. I mean, we're talking a couple of dozen people that kind of they say, okay, everybody. Kinda, and so I'm in the front row, and and Max is there. I think there were 18 people in the front row there, mostly from United Airlines, and Max and uh, the California president of United and uh, Lynn Swan uh, had their uh, uh, hard hats on with their shovels. And they're getting ready. They're telling him, okay, we'll have a little count. And he looks out and he says, Mr. Weber, there you are. He, I think he was surprised I was in the front row with a camera. But, uh, yeah, he has <laughs> he, a familiar face, I think. And uh, so uh, I enjoy, I really enjoy talking uh, to Max and, and really enjoy his take on things. Uh, you know, he didn't grow up with, obviously, American college sports, uh, with football and all that, but, but he's sure working at it. And uh, I think, you know, he's going to have to be a key, uh, you know, going forward uh, with, with where he knows they're doing a lot of good and they're spending a lot of money. And that is a plus to him. Uh, I think it would be good to, to understand that uh, there maybe are some uh, loose ends that need to be uh, tied up, uh, you know, with the Coliseum right now. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I don't have as negative a viewpoint. Uh, there's, I think there's some people who are negative about Max in ways in which they just don't understand, you know, how everything works. And it's easy to, you know, pick out a target and say uh, it's his fault. And uh, uh, I think uh, I think he's really trying to do the right thing for the right reasons for USC. And not always that easy. But uh, and he's not always been served the best by some of the people working for him. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, if you want to, for example, say, well, you know, look at what's happened with the coaches. He did have enough guts though, <laughs> twice in the middle of the season to say enough, it's over. And I think there are a lot of college presidents probably wouldn't have done that. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, I think it's easy to, to only look at, you know, one side of the thing as, as, as people tend to do and not, you know, take the, you know, the big picture. And, uh, and obviously USC probably shouldn't have been in a position where the Coliseum has fallen down. Now it's not always USC's fault. The Coliseum commission was awful. That whole, you know, 15 politicians, uh, on there for whatever reason, none of it much good for the Coliseum and not, you know, nobody overseeing anybody, uh, that they shouldn't be in the position where it is now, where basically you're doing, you were doing a little first aid. And now you're just trying to, you know, just survive. Uh, and so maybe the 270 million doesn't go as far as it could, if you didn't have to do all the patchwork and all the rebuilding that they're, they're doing. But, uh, but it's a pretty good start. And the United money is, is, is a good start. 
and I do think they need to finish it. Uh, 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 and I think I think Max with Max, you've got a chance. I do I do believe that. All right, Dan. Well, let's jump into some of these questions. We got some uh, coaching talk. There's been a lot of coaching talk, obviously. We have a couple of voicemails on the running back, so I'm going to play them back-to-back for you. Here you go. Hi, Ryan. This is uh, Joan Levis, and I have a question for you or Dan on your next podcast. Um, it's a question about a running back's coach, and I was thinking, what do you both think um, of going after John Settle, the Wisconsin running back coach? He has had a ton of success, most recently with Corey Clement. There, I think it's pronounced Ogun. Wale. And um, in one season at Pitt, he had James Conner. Anyway, thanks so much, and um, bye. Thanks for that one. And that was for John about John Settle. And here's one more voicemail question for you on the running backs coach. Hi, this is Curtis from Moreno Valley. I think this question should go to everybody. Uh, you th- everybody that's in the podcast and the podcast body itself. I believe that Clay Helton should do what he did with our last running back coach. Get the best coach in America that the that the pros are after too, that they're watching. Their, their next level is the pros. If he gets the best coach in America at every position, pays them the top pay, we may lose those coaches maybe the next year because the pros can pay more. But his job will never be threatened. Because it's always going to be a turnover of coaches, but we will have the top coaches in America under Clay Helton, just like this guy. We got to keep uh, our running backs bigger. That was our last uh, McCullough's uh, theory that he needs yards after contact. He made Ronald Jones gain weight. Our first uh, commitment as a running back is 228 pounds as a 12th grader. So this is the direction that he wanted us to go. I think we should continue to go that way. We need more coaches like that. And it won't be a threat to the, the head coach if if he's worried about that because they'll be gone. The pros will take them. It's already a proven fact. USC can be the next step to the pros, and it'll, be, it'll make us better. Fight on. Wow. Two uh, terrific uh, suggestions. Uh, you know, I really like – uh, and it's an interesting proposition if you bring in a Delan McCullough. And I know they talk about continuity, but here's a guy in one year, uh, he had no transition issues. He couldn't have done better. He couldn't have hit the ground faster. He couldn't have had more impact. Uh, is there uh, a situation where you bring in more than one of those or one or two of those a year that that becomes a problem? Uh, I don't know. I, I love the idea, though, if you could find uh, the best young coach, uh, the best upcoming coach in the country and bring him in. And they found the land out of the University of Indiana, a Midwestern guy. I like that. I think Joan's uh, suggestion, I think almost anybody that you get out of Wisconsin, you got to like because that program, they're not dealing. They're not a, a top 10 recruiter. They're not somebody that, you know, comes up with, oh, wow, they got so-and-so, and yet year after year, they have these great running backs, for example, with just one position that, uh, you know, kids that you say, gee, I didn't know, hadn't heard about that guy, and now, you know, he's a freshman, and boom, he's there. So uh, I think you could actually do both, kind of both of those things, uh, and maybe, you know, the guy from Wisconsin is the best 
best young, uh, you know, best coach in the country. Uh, I love the ideas. Both of those are, are great ideas. So we haven't heard much about uh, a direction or uh, somebody that's, you know, in the pipeline at all at this point. And we didn't hear much with, uh, with the land. So, uh, so we're kind of waiting to see, but, but, uh, Clay should, uh, should take the, your advice. I think both of you, those are, those are terrific ideas. They are good ideas. Thanks for those calls. Um, I don't think we're going to see anything on the front of uh, a new hire until after signing day. Would you agree, Dan? Yeah, I think I think nobody. Uh, you're just not going to see. You don't want to kind of muddy the waters, I guess, a little bit. Uh, you might have somebody in in line to come this way, and I think everybody's kind of going to be, you know, holding their uh, you know ground, treading water a little bit, whatever, uh, until uh, signing day. Uh, so I think, uh, and, and with you, I see the land has has gone. Uh, so. And, and it doesn't look like they're recruiting a, another running back. So I don't know that it has that much impact at USC, but I just think it's just kind of one of those things. You don't see much movement of coaches uh, this last week before, uh, before signing day. Yeah, not too much. Uh, and then, you know, who knows? There could be some more fireworks after signing day. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, John in Oakland wrote in. He said, this was an email. Thanks to you and the whole uscfootball.com excuse me, uscfootball.com team on the insightful coverage. Well, thanks for that, John. Uh, question for you and Dan. Pretend that you are Clay Helton and are called into Lynn Swan's office for your annual heart-to-heart performance review with your boss. A.D. Swan looks you in the eyes and asks, what realistic and specific things can I, as an athletic director of the athletic department and the university administration, do to help you win a national championship in the next two years how would you answer him thanks again fight on uh john in oakland well i think they would start with uh, uh extending some contracts of assistant coaches uh for more than just a year I, I would think that would be uh probably number one on the list i would think probably more uh more bodies in the uh, uh support staff for recruiting and 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 I don't know specifically with USC the way things are organized. Do they need a 60-person staff the way uh, Georgia has now or, uh, you know, the number of people that Alabama has or Clemson? That's probably not. Uh, but I think I would – what I would like to do is if I were Clay, I might say, uh, you know, I might call the people up at Clemson or uh, Georgia or whatever and say, can I come down there and maybe spend a couple of days and just see how this all works and, you know, see what, and, and you know, some places might let you, some places might not. But uh, I think I, I think I might do that. If I were, you know, Clay, I, I might tell Lynn, I need to go and, and get out of the, the, the bubble here at USC and go see what some of the best practices are around the country and what really seems to be working and, uh, and, and I might do that with strength and conditioning as well and nutrition and, uh, and, and say, you know what, I'll come back, uh, give me a few weeks, Lynn, and I'll come back and I'll have some of the, the best ideas that they're doing at the training table at Notre Dame or, uh, or at Alabama or what do they really feel, uh, gets the job done in recruiting at Clemson. What is it that's getting kids, uh, you know, to, 
to be willing to go. I mean, honestly, gosh, you could put the whole town of Clemson inside their stadium. I mean, it's like, and you know, here they are just hitting it, uh, you know, recruiting wise. So I think I might do that, uh, before, uh, anything else other than maybe talk about, uh, some extending of, of contracts. I'm not saying that that is necessarily the way, let's say if I were the, in the, uh, you know, acting the part of Lynn, uh, I might say, you know what, let's just see how this year plays out. I, 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 you could get on, if I were making uh, you know, Clay's case, I, I think I might start there and then say, I'll get back to you on, uh, on three or four other things that, uh, that, that, we could, that we could take from what other people are doing and bring them to USC and make them work the way they will work best for USC. Because USC got some things going for it that none of those others have. They really, really, USC does. And uh, USC needs to figure out how to take advantage of, of what other people are doing, but making it work for USC. Okay, on to the next question. Let's see. Let's go to, uh, we got we got one from Tarek. Since uh, Wally Batiku and Connor Murphy have not seen much time as edge players, could they bulk up redshirt and play on the defensive line? I think Connor possibly. I could see much more uh, Connor putting his hand on the ground, and he does now. Uh, now he's got such a big frame. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be. You know, if you play in a defensive end with a, you know a technique with your hand in the ground, uh, I think he could definitely do that. I don't know where that would put him weight-wise. I mean, he's two sixty now, still kind of you know, lean. So would we would be talking, you know, getting him a 290 range or something like that. Uh, I could see that with him. I'm not sure with Olawale. I, I don't, I don't know that I, I, I look at him as a hand in the ground kind of a player. Uh, you know, is he, is he the kind of guy? I mean, I would experiment with him. Is he somebody that, you know, he's 250 now, uh, could he be an inside backer? You know, run him to the ball, you know, and you know, overpower running backs and all of that kind of thing, rather than having to be, you know, do all the different things you do on the edge. Maybe uh, there's a, you know, a future for him somewhere like that. I, I, I would definitely keep experimenting with him, where, uh, where you just, you know, use his um, terrific athletic skills and his enthusiasm. And just get him, uh, get him to where he can make plays. And so far, that hasn't happened. Uh, and you know, is is a simplification kind of a thing needed? And where you uh, coach to your player's strength, and maybe you don't, you know, quite coach as much to to a system, but um, say, okay, I've got this guy. He can do this, and that's what we're going to do with him. And we're going to make it all work together. We've got these two guys. And we're going to, you just, it, it seems like a shame that uh, you're not getting more out of those two guys. Yeah, it does seem like a kind of a waste. And we'll see. Uh, this could be a really big year for either one or both of them. Um, we shall see. We had a text message. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, this wasn't a text message. This was a tweet. So we got a tweet from uh, R E C H A N R P uh, at R E C H A N R P. That's his Twitter handle. 
says, hey, Ryan, on the next podcast with Dan Weber, would you discuss the topic of expectations for Stephen Carr in the next two or three years at USC? What do you think about Stephen Carr? Uh, I mean, I think the expectations are going to be really, you know, really, really high. I was thinking about that. I wonder who was it? Athlon maybe just put out the top 50 players for next year. And I was thinking, I wonder, you know, should somebody consider someone like, you know, Stephen Carr for, for a spot in a, in a lineup like that? Because I think they're really going to depend on him. And there's an awful lot of, you know, yards to be, uh, to be gained from the, the lead USC tailback. And, uh, uh, I think, uh, I think he's, he's got that kind of ability and the fact that he can catch the ball, uh, you know, as well as he can catch it. And he really wants to be good. He wants to work hard. He's smart. He thinks about everything he's doing and athletically he better than I, I don't think sometimes, uh, high school, uh, you know, film, do a kid uh, justice, and he's one of those. He was, he was bigger, stronger, quicker, uh, and and way more athletic in ways that that I didn't realize um, when he was coming out of high school. And we we got to see glimpses of that last year, but uh, uh, I think uh, I think the expectations ought to be very very high, and 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 rightly so. And uh, so I'm looking forward to 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 where uh, where Steven goes next year but uh, but I think absolutely really high expectations. We uh I, we talked about this I think a little bit last week. We always get some pushback or comments on um you know some of the questions and stuff here on the podcast. Uh, a lot of people on the Peristyle did not want me reading everyone's questions. They didn't want me playing the voicemails of people, which is basically what our podcast has been based on. Um so, but we've got a lot of feedback on the other side now, and you know we get emails like this: Jim yeah. in Newport Beach. I, I, I will not to interrupt, but oh. I, think, I think there were a couple of people that that were on the one side. I just uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. It's hard to answer questions. You know, it's hard to just they want the answers. It's hard to do that if you don't say the questions. You know, um, but Jim right. in Newport Beach said in the late the last podcast with Dan, you mentioned how there were people. Voicing various complaints about the podcast. Ignore them. You, Dan, Coach Hyde, all do a great job. You have always been thoughtful and cordial in handling all the questions. I love when the podcasts go for a long time. The more analysis, the better. I agree with Dan in that a long question from a listener better defines what it what is on their minds. Keep up the great work. I know I've come to rely on the podcast every week uh, for inf- information on USA football. Sincerely, Jim in Newport Beach. I, I think Jim is in the majority of that. That's most of what we're getting, yeah. but, you know. That was nice, Jim. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jim. Yeah, you. We do agree. We had okay. This one, Stephen Poway. I saw parts of the U.S. Army All American Bowl, and Talanoa uh, Hufunga was a beast. So he's the five-star uh, athlete who already signed with USC uh, from Corvallis, Oregon. I looked like uh, it looked like he mostly played at safety in the game, but I wonder where you think he will end up at SC this fall. He seems fearless and quick enough. To be a punt returner, do you think he will play running back as well? I think he's got a very good chance of becoming the crown jewel of this recruiting class when all is said and done. Uh, fight on Stephen Poway. And I'll just say something real quick. I got to talk with him quite a bit in Hawaii for the Polynesian Bowl. And, yeah, guy's super smart, um, really athletic. He's, uh, I think he's going to be He's gonna be someone like that you're just really happy became a USC short. Like a, I'm not going to say, like, you know, he's a 
Polynesian guy from Oregon. So if you want to compare him to Troy Palmolo, I'm just saying that kind of, uh, I think he'll be a great advocate for the program an ambassador for the program, no matter how he ends up playing on the field. He just seems like that kind of guy. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good uh, comparison. I think with Troy, uh, out of, uh, as it turned out, uh, I think originally Santa Ana, but out of 10 mile Oregon, uh, uh, when he came to USC and he was just, uh, and he always will be, uh, you know, terrific, uh, spokesman and example and all of that. I think, and I was just working, doing a, a book on USC football and working on my Marcus Allen chapter. And it reminds me when you talk about what, where he will end up, Taylor, uh, with, uh, um, the, what John Robinson said about Marcus Allen, who came in as a running quarterback in safety and they realized, you know, he ended up playing fullback and then tailback. And John Robinson said, I don't know where you're going to play, but you have to be on the field. And I think that's the, that's the situation here. We might not know for sure. I mean, you got so many safeties. You got so many guys that can do. I mean, they got to start developing that talent. I mean, you got to start. But when you look at USC's safeties, for example, you just think, does anybody have a better group of, of young, you know, talent here? Uh, it's got to start manifesting itself in every way on the field. But, uh, uh, where he's going to end up, uh, you don't want it to be like Jamal Cook where you say, well, he could play any position. Let's just see which ones of, you know, and, and, and be kind of a jack of all trades and master of none. I think you got to figure out exactly where he can really help you. But um, I think he's a kid you want to get on the field somewhere uh, and as soon as possible. Now, as far as a punt returner, you gotta, you got to look at uh, Amon Ra, I would think, uh, in that spot. But, boy, there's an open, open, an open place for, uh, for incoming freshmen for sure. There certainly is, certainly is. Um, speaking of the kicking game and special teams, Paul in Vegas says, I know we need good cook, good kicking. It's vital. So what is going on with our kickers and how many of them remain on scholarship going forward? So if you look at our scholarship chart, we have uh, five players, special teams players, two punters, two kickers, and a snapper uh, all on scholarship. We're not sure how that's going to end up, but any thoughts on that, Dan? Yeah, I don't think we know what's going to happen with Chris Toby and um, uh by the end of this uh, uh, this semester, we also know, you know, that they they got in a uh, you know five star walk on, you know, preferred walk on, who certainly would seem to be in a position where he might might be able to earn a scholarship uh, down the road. Uh, what's going to happen with you know? You've already got two place kickers on scholarship. Uh, I think there's a lot to be sorted out in terms of, of, of kicking going forward. It may not be during this spring semester, but one thinks that by the end of the spring semester, it will be sorted out uh, much more now. I don't think, I don't think, you know, I mean, we still haven't mentioned the Australian rugby guy. So, and whatever his story is, that was reported in, uh, you know, the biggest paper in Australia said he was coming to USC for a scholarship. Don't think that can possibly be true, but um, you know they're uh, they're loading up in in some ways. Uh, but I don't know 
the scholarship roster can really handle, uh, you know, five or six uh, uh, specialists. Uh, so something is going to happen. We just don't know what. We'll know a lot more during spring spring ball. Yeah, we should know a lot more then. Um, this one's from Steve. He said, guys, now he lists a bunch of quarterbacks. Palmer, Leinert spelled as badly as I've ever seen it spelled. Booty, <laughs> Barkley, Castle, Pete, uh, Kessler, Sanchez, Morenovich. Who do you think Darnold will emulate best in the NFL? And he says, do Fink, Sears, and Daniels match up? I don't know what he means by that, but <laughs> um, who do they match up Donald with? Donald in the NFL. Uh, I would guess Sanchez off the bat. Like Sanchez you, was probably the closest, like athletically and stuff. But physically, he's more Carson. Uh, maybe not. You know, not not, not quite the arm. Yeah. No, nobody's got the arm. Yeah, uh, and and anybody ever gave him credit for. But uh, that's always going to be a part of of Sam's, uh, you know, legacy, his escapability. I don't think we know. I think a quarterback, I think it's dangerous to try to totally predict quarterback as those people who said they didn't like Tom Brady coming to USC when he would have loved to come to USC. I think he'd have definitely taken USC over Michigan or the people at Michigan who didn't think he could play, uh, had him, uh, as a non-starter until they absolutely had to, had to, had to play him. Or the people in the NFL who didn't draft him until the sixth round. Uh, I don't. I think you know, quarterback is so much other than just your skill set, uh, or, or your skill set involves things that we can't really quantify. Um, and so, I, I don't know. You know, and it, it, it depends on where you go, who the coach is, what they're running, who you're with, all of those things. So much you know, impact uh, what's going to happen to a quarterback. I mean, let's face it, if Carson hadn't gone to Cincinnati, had gone, you know, to a, a New England-type uh, franchise, where would his, you know, career have gone? Um, so quarterback's tough to predict uh, as to how it's all going to work. But, uh, I mean, if, I think Matt Liner, for a couple of reasons, you know, his career could have gone completely a different direction. You know, some of it was him and some of it was, you know, with a coach who had no idea what he was doing. And uh, the two things together, you know, uh, made for a, a career in the NFL, not like one would have guessed. Uh, so I just, I think, man, you might as well just be throwing darts or flipping coins if you're trying to predict exactly how um, how quarterback's going to turn out because I, I think so often we really really can't know yeah it's so hard it's a it's definitely there's so much it's not just physical you can see with a quarterback um i don't know what he meant about the 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 current quarterbacks and oh, match up. oh yeah. are any of them going to be in that line i think that's interesting i don't think there's one in there at all that, that resembles matt fink uh matt fink so he would be a different kind of a quarterback uh, from the from the group, uh, maybe more of a, a Rodney Pete, you know, type uh, of all of those guys. Uh, Jack Sears. Don't know. I don't think we know right now where where Jack Sears is going in terms of his skill set, uh, the you know ability to just take off and fly, and uh, 
learning, you know, learning his way through, you know, through the college system and all. I mean, I'm really interested in seeing what we're going to see in the, in the spring from him. I would think, you know, you, you got to think JT, you know, Daniels has got some, some special stuff that, that, that will give him a chance to, I mean, some of it is, you know, you grow a little bit, uh, all of that, but, uh, he does seem to have some things that, that just jump out at you in, uh, um, you know, in his high school, when you look at his stuff he did in high school, he just sees, seems to see things clearly. The game seems real, really slowed down for him. When you saw him in the all, you know, the the Army All American game, he didn't look like he had to speed up at all to play in that game. It looked like that game was uh, played at his speed, and uh, that's something that that probably carries over pretty well. So, but uh, I, you know, I just think. You, you, I think you want to let it happen. You want to be excited about it, but I don't know that you want to try to absolutely predict it. Um, let those guys determine uh, how their careers go. And he, we're just here to enjoy it and appreciate it. I don't know that you want to try to get ahead of it. Uh, that would be, that'd be my take, especially for quarterbacks. All right. Um, we have a few questions that uh, have, Stuff to do with Lynn Swan, the athletic director. So we'll answer, we'll get those to those now. Tarek says, "Do you see any differences between Lynn Swan and former USC athletic director Pat Hayden? If so, what are the differences?" And one was a corner. I think that that's no, uh, uh, no, no. There are you know they were Trojan football guys, uh, football stars. Lynn, you know, went on to be the you know the superstar at the at the next level. Uh, it's in, they they care about football as guys who played football, and yet in some ways you see some of the same characteristics that you see guys on the P where they're fans. And uh, uh, I think I think Lynn, I don't think we know enough yet about Lynn. I think it's it's kind of an enigma. I think you know even the people at USC aren't totally sure what is he thinking. What's What's he going to do? What's his next move here? What's the plan? Um, I think Pat came in at a, a tough time, and he was—he tried to be a spokesman. I don't think he knew exactly what he was supposed to say or what wanted him to say. He—he he said things that probably he wished he had never said. Uh, that probably not too much going to be Lynn's problem right now because he just not saying a whole lot um and he doesn't he doesn't have to he's not in the middle of the ncaa stuff and all that uh but uh but pat was uh pat was in a tough tough situation and then life became you know more difficult with the the football coaches he had to deal with uh lynn does not have to deal with uh you know the football coaching issues that um that pat did but um uh and so it's not quite as obvious or as uh, public, uh, but uh, but the, the, that's obviously you get that right. And you get USC, you get football right, like it like it is at many places. And uh, it's just we're not sure exactly what Lane thinks is the way to get it right, and and what what he's doing to get it right. Um, and uh, we shall see. I think again, I wish we knew more this far into. Lynn's tenure than we do. Uh, 
and uh, we just don't. Yeah. Um, hey, I just want to let people know, we have a few questions left, but uh, this is my first, we are starting a new computer, uh, the first time using it. I think we're having some issues with Skype, so there's some, there have been some cutouts and some of Dan's answers, so I do apologize for that. I'll, I'll work on that to try to get that uh, fixed going forward, but just tried some different things, and uh, I'm not sure what's going on. It might just be a Skype issue, you know, nationwide or whatever, but um, I'll, I'll keep working on that. So apologize if there's some, some you know, minor audio problems there. Uh, Eric in Duck Country said, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't the USC Athletic Department operate solely with the revenue generated by the athletic department itself? If that's the case, then why should anyone other than Lynn Swan have a say in how much money is spent on coaches, etc.? How much authority do you think Lynn really has? Thanks, Eric in Duck Country. Well, yeah, I think it all, you know, obviously – how much money you raise and how much uh, is allocated to, you know, so I think he has a decent amount of say, but I think everybody, you know, every athletic director, uh, you know, has that much, has a, has a decent amount of say. And if you want to emphasize here and, and not, you know, put your money there, uh, you've got that, that kind of ability. Uh, basically you look at every school in the country's athletic budget and they essentially spend, spend everything they take in. I mean, it's not, you know, it's just, that's just the way things work. Uh, and USC hasn't probably kept up like, you know, I think they were in the, in, in some of the P years, as I recall, they were in the top 10 um, in terms of revenue. And now probably closer to like 20, something like that. And again, revenue expenditures are essentially the same thing. But, you know, you're looking like, maybe $110 million a year, which is, you know, kind of where Oregon and Washington are, head of UCLA in the Pac-12. And, and like, I think Texas A&M is $194 million, you know, and Ohio State and Texas and those schools are spending, uh, you know, fairly significantly more than, say, USC. But USC probably spending more than Clemson. Uh, so, you know, it's not that they're in a place where, where you can't compete for, you know, or spending as much, you know, Florida State and places like that. So you, they're not in a place where, where they can't compete at, at all. For sure they can. Uh, but, uh, but as to whether the athletic director has kind of that, the ability to just say, this is what we're going to do uh, and not worry about the rest of the university. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think it all, it all kind of has to go together. And when the, when you're doing budgets and things like that, I think, uh, um, nobody goes off on their own and just says, well, we're going to spend as much as we have to. Although you've got a situation where they're not really having to pay off any, uh, you know, previous coaching contracts and all that. And, and, and so, you would think there's a decent amount of leeway in what they would pay coaches because they're not having to pay a head coach all that much. And obviously, um, you know, the assistants are, you know, I just saw Oregon, for example, is without hiring their 10th coach, they've already gotten coaches um, uh, salaries over $5 million for next year. So Oregon has jumped way, way, way ahead of the, uh, the curve in the Pac-12 and way, way, way the USC, I would, I would guess probably might be double. I don't know. And that probably can't stand. I mean, you probably got to say, look, 
these are the people we're competing with, and uh, this is what the market will bear. And you know, it costs a lot more to live in in uh, in Los Angeles than it does in you know Eugene, Oregon. So uh, I think there are probably going to have to be some adjustments, and I think that would go through the athletic director. Well, Earl in West LA, uh, he wrote a letter to Lynn Swan. Um, he said uh, he was asking him. He wrote a letter saying, asking him to tell the Pac-12 a Friday night game in Los Angeles against Washington State is a logistical nightmare for fans and should be played on Saturday inst- instead. His letter cited the following points. It's rush hour in L.A. Need I say more? The construction of the new museum eliminates 1,000 parking spaces. There's no on-campus parking on weekdays. and The Coliseum will be a construction zone. And the stadium could be more than half empty at kickoff. I also approached him after a recent basketball game and made the same request. Please encourage others on the P to do the same in order to make our voices heard. Thank you, Earl in West L.A. So he's, he's taking it right to the athletic director, Dan. And thank you, Earl. I mean, you're the voice of reason. The question I have about this is, why should Earl in West L.A. have to point this out to Lynn Swan? to have to point it out to the Pac-12. I mean, is anybody there not brain dead? I mean, come on. I mean, who has to figure out a Friday, uh, early evening Friday game at the Coliseum is a real idea, especially at this time with all the construction going on. Uh, it's just, it's insanity. And of course, it's a short week. It's not a travel week, but USC will have just been on the road for two straight weeks. So then they get home. So it's already a short week because you're traveling back to Austin, Texas. And now they've got just till Friday to get ready for another game. And whether Washington State, you can say, oh, well, they're not going to be as good as they're what It's a game. And it's, it's extra wear and tear on your players. And it shouldn't be done. And it ought to be no. And, and the Pac-12 should tell, their, you know, I don't know if it's Fox or ESPN, their TV partners, we're not doing that for that team on that week find another game and you tell the, you know, uh, the PAC 12 tell their TV partners, but then there's a responsibility for USC for clay Helton to go to Lynn and say, we're not doing this. This is ridiculous. We've gotten caught a couple of years in a row. We're not doing it. Tell the PAC 12. No, they can go. And we want, we're not going to screw our fans. It's hard. I mean, College basketball is hurting in Los Angeles in some ways, tenants-wise for sure, because people can't get to the games. UCLA people, they can't get to the games. USC people can't get to the games. Especially they're moving them up more in, in rush hour for television purposes. And so they say the heck with the, uh, with the fans who buy the tickets. And how fair is that for those USC fans? How many of them are going to really have trouble getting to that game in rush hour on that Friday. And, you know, they've gotten UNLV to open. And then the next two weeks they're on the road. And now here's a chance for the people with season ticket holders to get a chance to see it. But, oh, no, it's not a Saturday. It's a Friday, and it's going to be in rush hour. Good place to park when you get there. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll just take off all day Friday and find a place by getting there, you know, three hours <laughs> early. Wrong. You've got to do better. And, and Lynn has to do better. Clay has to do better. USC has to do better. Pac-12 has to do better. The only guy that doesn't have to do better is Earl of West L.A. <laughs> Earl got it right. 
Nice. Good job, man. I mean, that's why you need to listen to the people. And USC hasn't done a very good job listening to people like, like Earl of West, uh, from West L.A. Well, you, you mentioned basketball, and it's a good uh, segue. Phil wrote a, I don't know, like three-page email to me about uh, basketball attendance. And I told him, like, it'd be perfect for the Peristyle, posted on the message board, uh, but not here for the podcast. But he sent me a Cliff Notes version. He said, what can the athletic department do to get more people to support the basketball team? Clearly just building the Galen Center and putting a competitive team out there has not been enough. Well, I think one of the, the, the you know, the hallmarks or the whatever landmarks of USC basketball is just when they, your hopes get built up, you know, you come home. I mean, and let's say, obviously, they start the Pac-12 this year. And they lost two or three games. They probably shouldn't have lost. And, uh, yeah. The whole DeAnthony Melton thing is hanging over their heads, and Tony Bland, the assistant coach, is now fired, was missing. And there were all kinds of, you know, issues. But they weren't ready to play at the beginning of this year, obviously. Didn't know who they were, didn't know how they wanted to play, all of that kind of thing. That adds up a little bit. Didn't play to their strengths. Uh, they're, they're obviously doing more of that now. Again, they're be- they got better players than the people they're beating. But they show up. Uh, you know, they stick them basically uh, in an opener against Washington, home opener, same time as the Cotton Bowl game pretty much. And they get beat by Washington, a team that, that had no business whatsoever. They don't show up. They don't play hard. Uh, and it's like fans look at that and say, why should we care about this program and this team if they don't care? And there are games, I know, you know, and, and – Andy has talked about, you know, six straight wins and how many straight they'd have if they would have only played defense for the last 10 minutes against uh, Stanford first time they played them. And you think, well, why the hell didn't you play defense for the last 10 minutes? So you didn't get beat on a 55-foot buzzer beater by a team that shouldn't have beat you. And that would have, you know, changed, basically changed those two games. You're in first place in the Pac-12, and you're in the NCAA and people were kind of excited. I mean, there were a couple of weeks there after they'd taken a, you know, that dive to kind of start the Pac-12 where they weren't even in the, the um, field of 68 for the NCAA. Well, you take a USC team and say, oh, they're probably not even going to make the tournament. You might as well take all the, uh, you know, all the excitement, the enthusiasm, uh, you know, and just say, heck with it. I mean, it, it's almost worse to have a sense of this could be a really good team. You got a lot of veterans, a lot of depth, got a lot of athletes. And then they go out there and they, you know, lay uh, an egg here and a leg there. And a, you, I think it makes it worse, actually. I mean, they'd, they'd be better off being kind of the uh, underdog, you know, trying to fight their way up. But uh, uh, I think that's a, that's a big part of it. I know they do, they do a lot of things. They're trying to, you know, get people to, you know, give their tickets if they don't use them to, you know, make them available to, you know, kids in the neighborhood, that kind of thing. They do promotions. Uh, I like the ones where they uh, have the student body. And uh, I think they get a food truck. If, if your residence hall has the highest percentage of attendance at a game, you get a, you get a food truck for a day uh, that USC pays for, stuff like that. I think that's good stuff. Yeah, that's keep a great that going. idea. Keep that going. You know, keep those T-shirts and stuff going. Keep 
you know, you can't do too much of that. But I think a big part of it is the team, coaches, they got to cooperate. And you can't have a one game. That game, that, you'll never get away from that game was so awful to start the pack. You get, here you are. It's a bad deal at the same time at the Cotton Bowl and all that. But you get to start your schedule at home, a team you can definitely beat, and you do that. You, well, they, they let them shoot like 80%. I mean, you know, you guard anybody. Can't do that. It's not the way you build a program. You've got to be there every night. You've got to play, you know, with intensity. You can't be feeling sorry for yourself. And uh, this team has a chance to do that more as they go along. But it seems a little late in the year to be figuring that out. You would have thought this team – and we were hearing negative stuff. Like, for example, they scrimmaged San Diego State in October – and the word got out that San Diego State just cleaned their clock. And you thought, how is that possible? How could San Diego State come in and play to Galen and, and, and just clean their clock? And, and, and something wasn't there. And it taken them a while to, you know, to get it there. They, you know, they would say, oh, they got beat by a really good Texas A&M team at home. No, Texas A&M wasn't any good. They <laughs> proved it. They're one of the most disappointing teams in America. Uh, and then they get their clock cleaned in the second half by SMU. You know, oh, they're really, no, they're, you know, I mean, uh, they just, I mean, uh, one of the ways you get crowds is to play better, play hard, play up to your ability, act like you know who you are. And we don't see that enough. And uh, I think that's, uh, you just got to get, that's how you get the program there. I don't think you can blame it on anything else. All right, well, one last one. Um, this is from Conquest21. He's in San Gabriel Valley, and it was a text we got. He said, another school under investigation for sexually assaulting minors by the NCAA. Why is USC held to a different standard? Nothing like uh, that has ever gone on at USC, like what has happened at Penn State and Michigan State. Yet the NCAA continues to treat USC differently from other member schools. What is the leadership of USC doing about this? And will USC ever hold a press press conference to discuss its relationship with the NCAA? That was a text we got. That's interesting. Uh, I will say this. The NCAA, a lot of the people in the NCAA, a lot of the members are jealous of USC. It scared them to death when USC had it going there in football. That just scared them to death. But the, it goes back. Uh, I still remember the back-to-back years when USC had a tutor. Um, it did some papers, like three, uh, you know, a swimmer and a football player, whatever. And the same NCAA Committee on Infractions uh, uh, chairman said of the USC case, there is a minor case, but we're going to treat it as a major case. This is back in the 90s. The next year, Notre Dame had a booster who – embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars so she could take players to Las Vegas and assistant coaches at Notre Dame knew about it and all kinds of hell broke loose. And the same guy running the NCAA Committee on Infractions said, well, this is a major case, but we're going to treat it like it's a minor case. Why? Because it's Notre Dame. Uh, And they raised hell. And Notre Dame said, don't you do that to us. We're, you know, we're going to fight like crazy, even though if I'm a Notre Dame, I'd have been embarrassed as hell. But they weren't. They fought it. USC hasn't been very good at defending itself, hasn't been very good at telling its story. 
USC, for some reason, you know, curls up into a, you know, fetal position and says, please don't hit us too hard in the NCAA. And I don't think that's the way you do it. You know, basically, everybody in the country looked at what USC did uh, in the Reggie Bush situation and said, okay, we'll never do that again. You know, USC gave us the roadmap of what not to do. Why USC doesn't understand this, I'll never know. I talked to enough people at USC about it, and uh, I don't know. I mean, USC hasn't had people in those kinds of positions. For example, uh, it's not surprising that the uh, Michigan State stuff didn't go anywhere when it got to the NCA because the NCA, uh, the Michigan State president, who just had to resign this week, was on uh, the top committee of uh, governing uh, uh, Division One sports. Uh, the president during that time was the guy that uh, Mark Emmert at the NCA constantly cited as this is the way to go. This is the kind of leadership we need. He's the guy they would bring in to, you know, many of their conferences as uh, you know the uh, the spokesperson and for all that's right and good at the NCA. USC hasn't been very good at doing that. You know, USC kind of said, we don't need you guys. We don't like you guys. We don't trust you. Not that that wasn't correct. USC was correct in saying, we don't like you. We don't trust you. We don't want to be part of your club. The problem is people who are part of the club get treated differently from the people who aren't part of the club. And USC's never been part of the club. And a club has always been kind of jealous of USC. And, uh, uh, you know, that's that's where it is. USC is one of those, you know, it's kind of a mean girls kind of a thing in high school where USC is the one that they get together and talk about. Uh, and USC never figured out how to how to get in with the mean girls. Um, so uh, can they? I don't know. I don't know if a press conference would be enough. But I, I don't know it would be wrong to just say, hey, we understand what's going on. We know how, you know, you can get Cam Newton eligible in a day after knowing how much money changed hands and say, well, he's eligible for the championship game because he didn't really know. Heck, he didn't probably know at all. And where you'd be Anthony Melton, going to go a whole year, uh, you know, for a whole lot less money that didn't come anywhere near his family. Uh, and yet nothing seemed to be able to get decided. It just sort of, you know, went on and on and on and on. Is that USC's fault? Is that the NCAA's fault? I don't know. But, yes, the circumstances are always different when USC's involved. All right, Dan. Well, uh, we got I'm, – I'm in a, my office. There's, like, people, like, rolling doors next door. There's all kinds of noise going on. So I do <laughs> – I'm sorry about that if the sound quality of this episode – not as good, but hopefully you guys liked all the information. Uh, Dan, appreciate you coming on again, and uh, great stuff. Thank you. Enjoyed it. That was, again, great questions, you guys. Thanks Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for everyone sending those in, and thanks to uh, Dan Weber. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. 
This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 